and welcome to another edition of the Timbers Field Report. I am Kyle Carvello, joined as always by Drew Olson, and this time from the Heartland Regiment, we have Christian Dyshiel. Did I say that right, Chris? Perfect. Awesome. How you doing? Doing great. How are you guys today? Not too bad. Not too bad. Drew, how are you? Living the dream, man. I, I can imagine. I can imagine. The simple Invitational is over. We're on to the MLS season now, assuming it happens. So, you know, what's there to be angry about, you know? Oh, there's plenty to be angry about. What do you What do you mean, Drew? <laughs> I don't know, man. On the whole, definitely uh, excited for the season to start. That doesn't mean there's things not to be angry for. Assu- assuming yeah. it starts. Well, there's one thing to be angry about. The season doesn't start. <laughs> That's true. All right, so Christian, tell us. Um, you're from the Heartland Regiment, correct? Correct. So tell us how you got into that. I was born at the exact wrong time in Portland's history in that um, I lived in Portland my whole life from 1980 through uh, 98 when I graduated from high school. But when I would come back from college for the summers, I would go to Timbers matches and progressively falling more in love with with soccer, um, really enjoyed my experience there. So a lot of my experience has been over the internet um, and, and via distance, but really being connected to people whenever I'm in town, which is a few times a year. And then also, you know, over Twitter and Facebook and, and, and all that jazz. So I kind of hold it down out here. You know, the, the Heartland Regiment, I think we're by uh, square footage, the biggest Timbers uh, group, but by number of people, maybe, maybe the least but we still see each other on occasion every once in a while. And Kansas City is my closest base, so I make sure I get out there as often as I can and, and hold it down for us when, when we visit. Now, if I'm not mistaken, are you a are you a barbecue judge? Oh, yeah. So um, my wife and I spent seven years in Kansas City doing grad school. I got my Kansas City Barbecue Society of <laughs> judging credentials. And my father-in-law and I, we judged for a couple of years the American Royal which is one of the biggest barbecue competitions in, in the entire country. And since doing that and being a part of that, I also got into smoking meats myself. And it's been fun, you know, just touching base with uh, Timbers fans on Twitter and, and talking about what we're smoking meat-wise, <laughs> um, sharing pictures with each other and tips with each other. That's been a lot of fun. What Timbers Away games have you been to thus far? Yeah, well, my number one priority every year when the schedule comes out, which is progressively later and later, is what matches I can get to Portland for, visit my family, and, and pack in a trip. Um, so it's usually like the home opener and then another one in the summer. Then I look and see when the Timbers are in the Midwest and, and try to see when I can get in there. Um, so, you know, it just kind of depends year to year. And even this year, I know my wife's getting a little frustrated because with the CBA stuff and KC away being in one of the first three matches, she's like, are you going to Kansas City or are you not? And I'm like, well, I don't know. So we'll see what happens over the next five days. Um, but I've been to, to Salt Lake City, um, you know, Seattle, Kansas City, try to get to a lot of Portland matches. Would love to get to a lot of the places that are a single flight away from me. So yeah. Yep. Houston or Dallas or Chicago, but it really just depends on on scheduling year to year and how far in advance I get to plan that. So do you have anything planned like thus far? Or are you just waiting for the CBA to go through? I'm waiting for the CBA to go through because, you know, when you work and your wife works and you have three little kids, 
it's like you you can only plan so much. So we'll see what happens this week, and and hopefully something works out, and then we can get things going. We already scheduled a trip to see my family, so hopefully it'll be my son and my dad and myself in our first three generation Timbers match. <laughs> And uh, San Jose comes to town in July. I think it's on like the 5th. Um, but, uh, you know, as of this point, we'll just kind of see what's what's going on and what's up in the air. Well, very cool. I'm uh, I'm flying out on Thursday to go to the home opener. And uh, I, I, at this point, if it happens, I'll be thrilled. If it doesn't happen, I'm okay with it. Because it's going to be like 50s and 60s. And it's exactly. dirty out and snowing right now. So it's terrible. <laughs> You know, the great thing is if you plan a trip to Portland around a Timbers match and it doesn't happen, you still get to go to Portland. So you Right, still... like it's not that bad. Yeah, for three days you get to eat really well and see a exactly. bunch of people and it's yeah. all good. So uh, have you, you know, we're obviously having you on because Kansas City is kind of the first real uh, away game of the season that, you know, outside of the West Coast. Sure. Have you been to a KC game before and uh, maybe walk us through, you know, potential tailgate possibilities. Yeah, so there are some great things about KC away. The first is that we get along really well with their fans. Um, I remember I actually went for um, a U.S. national team World Cup qualifier, and uh, I was I had my no-pity scarf. I was wearing a USMNT national team scarf, had the no-pity scarf wrapped around my backpack, and when I went into the match, one of the guys who was checking tickets was like, oh, yeah, Portland fans, we like you guys. Seattle came here out. Uh, out here a couple years ago and they were total jerks so shocking yeah the cauldron has been real cool with us so typically when it's a weekend match then um the cauldron has you know a a nice barbecue and and they try to do a a deal the friday before the match to um let everybody hang out and it's been real cool and then we go to our separate corners for the match and then typically hang out afterwards so i think you can expect intensity but also cordiality um, and really eating a lot of really great food. And in the event that you're vegan or vegetarian, you might be a little bit disappointed, but otherwise you'll pretty much be in meat heaven for three or four days. You cannot go wrong with that at all. Smoked meat is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So if there are some fans coming in for the game and they want to, you know, have some good, good meat or good barbecue, Obviously, they're going to do their thing at the tailgate. Any specific places they need to go to uh, in KC while they're there? Okay, I got good news and bad news for you. The good news is that I have a lot of informed opinions on this issue. The bad news (laughs) is I have a lot of informed opinions on this issue. The number one part are, you know, the classic places you can go to. When I think of classic places in Kansas City, I think of, number one, LC's Barbecue. So if you're a fan of... um, uh, the show on Netflix, House of Cards, and you think about the barbecue experience on there, like a barbecue joint, LC's is the number one place to go to. Your your feet stick on the floor from beef fat and barbecue sauce. <laughs> the bad news is it's you know really close to um, where the Chiefs and the Royals play. It's not super close to where uh, the, the Sporting KC, formerly the Wizards, play. But that's a good spot to go to. Secondly is Gates. It's more of an African-American kind of soul food vibe. They almost like uh, very hospitably yell at you when you walk into the restaurant. Um, There is no better place to get a burnt-in sandwich, but that's a good place to go. And it's a a local chain, so there are a lot of those places 
around, including downtown where a lot of people stay. And the third place is uh, Jack Stack, which is uh, kind of Burgoyne barbecue. It's the only barbecue place that you'll go to where they have cloth napkins. And if uh, you get the $10 per rib beef prime rib, it's one of the most uh, uh, special experiences you can have. It's like they smoke the the part of the cow where you get your uh, prime rib from or where you get your uh, ribeye steak from. And it's absolutely amazing. Unfortunately, it's $10 a bone. The good part is the bones are huge. Um, the second kind of phase of barbecue in Kansas City are the people who have been competitive cooks for a long time and they've retired in the last year and are now just uh, cooking at restaurants. So for there, you have uh, Brobex, which is just open in the last year, which is a good place in the suburbs. You have Plowboys right downtown at a place where a lot of the Cauldron folks will hang out the night before the game down in the Power and the Light District. Um, and then you have a place called Q39, which probably has the best tap list and meat in the whole entire city. And then the seventh place, we have to have uh, perfect numbers. So seven is, is a great one. I would say if you can, go to Oklahoma Joe's Barbecue. It's probably... Top to bottom, the best place to go. If you can get the Hogamaniac dinner, which is pretty much every kind of pork that they have on the menu, all in one dinner for like 15 bucks, that's great. Or just ask them for a pulled pork Z-Man on Texas toast with an onion ring. It's pulled pork. It's uh, provolone cheese on Texas toast and some barbecue sauce. Incredible stuff. So lots of opportunities. Um, you know, if you can have your flight delayed a day so you can just eat meat, I would probably suggest that. So Drew, when do we go to Kansas City to get some barbecue? Oh, I don't know the schedule. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like bad news. I was telling my wife today, I was like, I feel bad for all these people. You know, the Timbers Army has actually sold quite a few tickets for this away day, and we don't even know if there's going to be a game yet. Cancel we'll tickets. talk about the CBA in a little while. Let's talk the Invitational now. Let's move on to that. Perfect. Portland-Vancouver. Uh, that was an interesting game, to say the least. Can we – can I, I just – let me just say this. Can we not schedule Cascadia teams for preseason? I think it's a really good idea. I want to see more international teams and, like, two MLS teams. Yeah. I'll make them East Coast teams or something, you know, like... Right? Teams are not going to see. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously the major story out of this game was Zemanski going down. But, uh, you know, two red cards, and the ref was terrible, and... It was preseason. Vancouver didn't, Vancouver didn't come to play. They want to tactically foul and hope for the best. They want to be dicks. Yeah. And obviously, to add insult to injury, Kaw, of course, has to score. Yeah. That's all there is to say about that. Scoring machine in the preseason. Yeah. Things like, in the opening 15, Kaw was just a terrible person. He was going in on hard tackles, and tackles that should not be done in preseason, to let alone at all. He was going after people that, you know, he wanted to be friendly with. It was. I think Vancouver was a bad idea, and I think caught a chip on his shoulder. Well, and last year we had San Jose, and that was a bad idea. At the end of the day, we just need to have people for friendlies, and especially yeah. preseason friendlies that we don't see that much and that we don't care about because it's bad news when you get all those emotions and, and, and whatnot flowing through, and it just doesn't work out super well. No, it's true. And, and like, speaking of Ka, he just seems like a guy that, he has an on or an off switch. There's no middle ground, I don't think, with him. He gets on the field and he kind of turns into a crazy person, as we've all seen. He does. And, uh, you know, you love the passion, but he's 
possibly insane. So, uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a rivalry game. He's obviously, it's his first time playing back in Portland in the wrong color jersey. And obviously he's going to give it his all. And he's a member of the Timbers Army. Like, it's not like we're going to take a game off and, and yell a little softer or something like that. So I, I just think we should not schedule Cascadia matches outside of the regular season. It's just, it's not only did we not really learn anything from the match, but three red cards and an injury and uh, just, it was a mess. I agree. I mean, for positive, though, I did think we kept a nice defensive shape through the whole game. You know, other than the set piece, but that is what it is. We, we kept a nice shape. I never, I was never too worried about our defense until the second half. And that was after we went down two guys. Yeah, I think the defense has been really organized, and it does look like, I mean, Borchers and Ridgewell are both really loud. They you are. Can, That's what you, you need. You can hear them yelling on the broadcast. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I definitely think our backline's way more organized than it was, you know, when Kyle was the starter, for example. <laughs> if you're into binary code, like the simple invitational was awesome. And if you're into defense, the simple invitational was awesome. If you're into offense, there's a lot of ones and zeros up on that board. And there are a lot yeah. of reasons to be worried. So like the good thing is that, you know, our central defense, which was a big hot mess last year, does possibly look better. You wish Papa would have been better in the second match overall, and he had his hot moments and his cold moments. Um, but, yeah, at least Borchers, you know, as long as Borchers um, can stay healthy, which is tough saying for a 34-year-old dude, it seems like we're maybe kind of okay, but who knows how long that lasts, I guess. Well, I think the hope is that Borchers more stays back and doesn't, you know, tire himself every game, and Ridgewell will go forward because I mean, he's 34 yeah. i mean that's that's a lot to ask for certain people yeah don't pull a muscle old guys and we'll be okay <laughs> also nagby i thought nagby had a pretty good game in the first one yeah for sure and you know there were there were things to be happy about i think the goalkeeping is good and the defense is good and you know ridgewell if you judge by his Twitter and Instagram is a, a guy who maybe isn't necessarily super excited about keeping himself prepared for a whole season, but otherwise there were some positive takeaways from that match in a, in a bottle. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a preseason game, so you need to take it with a grain of salt, of course, but yeah, you know, I liked what I saw from that. I mean, other than we did have a second half meltdown, but that was understandable. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Vancouver played the way they played and with two red cards, you know, we didn't give up another goal. I thought that said enough. And that's going to be a bad team. Like, Vancouver is going to be a bad team. So they need to get as many points as they can out of the preseason just to feel good about themselves. <laughs> and, you know, we'll see what happens during the regular season. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of the second unit against Chicago? Um, I mean, obviously you mentioned Paparato not having a great game. He just – I don't know if it's just a thing that he starts the season – two months later than everyone else. Uh, but uh, aside from that, did you guys see anything that stuck up? I guess Nanchoff getting a second free kick goal of the preseason is nice. Uh, I thought we kept a nice defensive shape again. Like, you know, we never got like pulled too far out of part position for the being the second team at least, but we couldn't complete a pass. That was what stuck out to me. I mean, you know, we sort of found a little bit of a rhythm in the second, but the first half, you know, we were just kind of, shooting balls and hoping for the, somebody got in the end of one in any way. 
And it's tough, too, because you throw a lot of guys out there in that second game together who, you know, you want to be um, pieces that you can plug in during the regular season. And so you're hoping that one or two of them, like, really steps up and you're like, oh, man, if they step in during the regular season, you know, you're not really going to see a drop off. And I think all of them together, we necessarily didn't see that, which is a, a bummer and unfortunate. At the same time, you know, maybe if you put those guys in and they're not expected to carry a load, maybe they do better as an ancillary piece as opposed to asking them to 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 carry the load for 90 minutes. I think that holds pretty true with the exception of Espria. I think Espria can start right away. You know, he's fast. He can, he he'll, He's bold enough to take people on, and he's bold enough to shoot. And that's one of those things we haven't really had, especially last year. We were either too hesitant or too foolish when we pulled the trigger to shoot. And Espria yeah, kind know, of seems like he knows what he's doing. I agree with you. Like, the part of me that – so I'm totally emotional and not super analytic as a Timbers fan. And I look at Espria and I'm like, oh, man, he looks awesome. Another part of me is like, Sango looked awesome, like, back in the day, <laughs> and it didn't work out. And I know that, you know, like, Nevis and 5MTKO and those cats, like, you know, they said there are reasons to not think that Espria will be the next Sango. But there's a part of me that's just, like, guarding my heart a little bit and hoping that he's not just this, like, preseason wonder. He's not the NFL third-string quarterback that everybody falls in love with. And once things matter for real, you know, it looks different. So honestly, like, I'm not going to claim to be enough of an aficionado of soccer to be able to proclaim yes or no, he's going to be great or not. But I guess that's just my worry is that, okay, hopefully he is as good as advertised in the preseason. Well, let me let me just put it this way. Who are the, the five best Timbers of all time? Dyron, 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 <laughs> Dyron, and Dyron, because he kicks hot fire, right? Uh, no, I mean, he, I think, is, like, a pleasant surprise in a way to everyone. Like, my guess is that when Gavin and Caleb brought him in, they didn't expect him to suddenly go from, you know, fifth to third in the depth chart, maybe in the midfield. So the idea that you know, because he was going to be behind Will and uh, Valeri and Nantra, or and uh, Zemanski, probably. So the fact that he's come on and played so well, I think, is really promising. And I think he's definitely going to see some minutes, especially early on, before um, people start to heal up. But uh, I, he's, I think he's looked really good. And I'm with Christian in that we should probably uh, temper our expectations. But... He does seem like the one guy that's kind of come out of nowhere. It seems like there's that guy every year. Like last year it was Shuma, and you said Songo <laughs> the year before. So who knows if he'll turn into one of those dudes, or maybe he'll be, you know. The night, there was a time when Rodney Wallace was our left back, right? And he was awful there, and then he moved over to the wing just kind of on a whim, and obviously has just been phenomenal since then. So maybe he can be the the guy that exceeds those expectations speaking of new guys though what do you guys think of the other i mean borchers has been pretty quiet which is pretty fine i think that's how we want it to be with him uh was it jonderson hasn't looked great he looks like a reliable enough substitute but i don't see him beating out via yeah 
Yeah, and honestly, like I'm okay with our back line right now. You know, like with the Absolutely. guys that we have there, and you can sub in and sub out and figure it out. Like, I don't think all of them have to be great. We'll be happy if you know between our goalkeeper, which looks solid, and our back line, which looks okay, we'll be all right. You know, the hard thing is that with the midfield, we kind of went into the the off season knowing that our two like rocks of the midfield we're going to be out and so okay like you know we'll just keep this thing together with uh scotch tape and chewing gum and we accidentally swallowed our chewing gum with all the injuries and now we'll see what happens so i'm okay with how borchers has been um i'm okay with honestly how the wing guys have been on the back overall but we'll just see if they have enough quality to get us through all these injuries in the midfield because it's going to be an assault on those back five with the four defenders and the, and the goalkeeper. I think what's nice is Jewsbury is not going to run. He's definitely going to stay at home and that's what we need. Cause that's what, you know, Zemanski did. Yeah. But again, I feel like Zemanski's a little more technically savvy than Jewsbury ever is. Yeah. It'll be interesting. My guess is that we may, it does seem likely that a uh, Jewsbury is going to be the starter there. I would imagine that Espria will be that late game sub. So like if we're down or even at home and we're tied and we need a goal late, sub on Espria for for Jack. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously adds that bit of attack. And you think about a Rudy and Espria coming on, you know, in like the 70th minute, like that's a lot of speed to go at a an already tired defense presumably. So it it you know. Yeah, and especially when you add a Rudy to that mix too. I mean, no one wants to deal with that. You don't, no one's got the stamina to deal with that in the 70th minute. All right, so um, Staubach, what did we think of the uh, Staubach game? Definitely the strongest game, I thought, of the weekend, or of the week. Probably the weakest opponent as well, because they got hosed in their other games, it seems like. But uh, I think it was definitely Audi's best game. Obviously, he got the goal. Uh, again, Espria looked just pretty dang good. Wallace had a good game, too. I'll say he had a, some nice crosses yeah. coming in. He had a good game. And as did Nagby, you know, I thought our, you know, just by being bold and athletic, I felt, you know, the top half of our squad had a pretty good game. You know, other than the finishing, it was pretty good. I guess I would push back a little bit on the Nagby thing because he didn't necessarily take all his chances. And so what you hope is that for all the positives that that match was not fool's gold. And I hate to be, you know, the pessimist. But, you know, you just hope that, okay, this was an actual quality team that we've brought in and that our guys that we're going to rely on to be rocks are going to be able to do this against the better teams in MLS, which, quite frankly, is who we're starting out with. I mean, you know, when this season starts out, if it's RSL, LA Galaxy, Kansas City, like, we've kind of got to be on point. There's there's no warm-up. You know, you could seriously go zero for nine points on that, so... Hopefully we're we're good to go and we're firing on all cylinders and the positives that we have shown will move forward into the regular season. Yeah, and pie in the sky. I mean, imagine if we picked up if we can win our first two home games against RSL and the Galaxy, like that puts us in a really great position. Well, I think what's even helpful. I mean, it's the first two games. The first month of the season can kind of be a wash. Like you know, teams are still kind of getting their fitness up. You know, tactically, you had new players coming in, so not everyone's on par with each other. So, I mean, we could just 
beating the Galaxy in the second game doesn't necessarily mean we're fantastic, but I would have liked that cushion regardless. And I, like, I'm fine with that, and I will talk myself into that. I'm a little bit frustrated that that's the reality that I have to talk myself into, because I do feel like, you know, after these years in MLS, like, we need to have a year where we start off strong, and especially when you look at um, us, you know, having kind of established who we are, and we've had our manager for a couple of years now, like... We need to have a good start to a season one of these years, both on the road and on at home, and hopefully that happens, and we'll just kind of, I guess, see if it does. And there are ways to talk ourselves off the ledge if it doesn't happen, but... Yeah, I would just throw in there that, you know, some people are like, oh, man, we don't have Valeri, so it's going to, you know, what we started so awfully, terribly uh, last season... But, man, our defense just seems so much better. So even if we do continue to struggle to score goals, it does seem like our defense is in a much better place than it was this time last year. So hopefully we're not going to be conceding as many at the very least. Hopefully. And we will be getting Will Johnson back relatively soon. Like, in all honesty, Jewsbury is a Band-Aid for like a month, a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm of two feelings when it comes to a possible work stoppage. Like, part of me is like, okay, I want us to be – you know, playing a match and cheering and singing together in a week. But at the same time, like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, if there's two weeks where we reschedule matches till the middle of the summer, that might actually benefit us because our two best players, one of which who was in the discussion for player of the year in MLS will be back. And those are fewer games that he will miss. So I guess we'll just kind of see how it goes and root accordingly. And going back to, you know, Valeri's injury, and this wasn't completely related, like, for Zemanski, but when do we put grass on the field instead of turf? Is Valeri going to be 29 this year? I would say it's whenever we figure out how to get out of our contract with Portland State University or whenever Merritt Paulson's dad decides he'll just, like, inherit him another check to (laughs) be able to, like, pay that. Like, that's honestly, that's what it comes down to at this point. When we get to that place, we'll have grass, and someday we'll have terraces, and it'll be all good, and then management will have no excuses because they'll have more money, and they'll have a pitch that will bring in big players. So we'll see what happens. I think Merritt said it's it's basically a question of when, not if. Like we go to grass. I think a lot of that is complicated by the fact that you know the pitch is like below the street, and there's lots of weird issues that they have to deal with to to figure that out uh, that I'm sure is not cheap, but hopefully that'll happen eventually. But things though, neither is paying, you know, one of your designated players almost three quarters of a million, or, yeah, a million dollars in Valeri, and him playing on turf is just shortening that amount of time he's going to be able to play. And you're also risking almost any game where he yeah. can re-tear something. My feeling about it is we've had the best artificial turf possible. And in some ways, I don't blame the pitch for a lot of the stuff that's happened. And I think that a lot of players that have refused to play on the pitch um, have done so in spite of the fact that it's been, you know, FIFA has put their stamp of approval on it. But at the same time, I would just like to see the excuses gone. And I would like to see us in a place where we could bring in any player that we want to because the pitch isn't an excuse. And because if injuries happen, they just happen. 
and it puts more pressure on our front office. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm that's kind of an in-between answer, but that's what I would like to see happen. Who is it? It's us, Seattle, Vancouver, New England. Are they all on turf? So we had Silvestre, Valeri, and now Zemanski. And um, Horst, that's four. You know, I, I'm, I follow New England enough where I know they're not tearing ACLs like that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, man. Do not jinx Jermaine Jones. We have a gold cup to win, please. <laughs> yeah, the future of the USA at center back, right? A three-man back line. That's where we're going. All right, so CBA. Do you guys want to talk CBA? I don't know if there's anything left to say. I mean, it's sounds like the obvious sticking point is free agency. The owners apparently aren't willing to move on it, and neither do the players. So we shall see. It's, um, I, not just me being optimistic because I'm, I paid money to go to this game and I live half, like I live completely across the country, but, uh, cause you have such a diverse, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you have a diverse player group. I mean, you have the DPs making a couple million and you got the low end at 36,000. You know, they're not going to be as okay sitting with no paycheck for even two weeks. They're going to be the ones to crack first, obviously, because they want the money. You know, I just I don't see the unity sticking when push comes to shove. Well, and they're not, you know, the two sides are not speaking the same language. On the one hand, this is about free agency. But on the other hand, it's really about MLS being a single entity league and all of yeah. the the teams being able to negotiate together. So for me, when I look at it, I'm not necessarily like I'm of the feeling that if these players really want money, if they want a better situation, every country in the world has a soccer league. Like you can go find other places to play. And so I'm not all about like, you know, feel like if they're good enough, they can find other options because there are more jobs in soccer than almost any other industry in the world. At the same time as a Timbers fan, I'm like, man, we got to bust this thing up. And this single entity thing is not working for us. And we've seen that. We've seen that in us having two years in a row, you know, not being able to sign the players necessarily that we want to play, or at least not having the upper hand in that because of what the league has said. And so, you know, until the the players and the owners are speaking the same language, I'm not super optimistic that something is going to come together. At the same time, you know, you see – um, instances where the league is still negotiating with high-profile free agents whose whose contracts end um, in the middle of the summer. So I think if there is a work stoppage, it'll probably be short. But I just hope that we're at a place where we can make the league a, a more even playing field for the teams. Um, and I don't know, you know how interested the owners are in that actually happening. I think they're more interested in making money. And I mean, I can very easily see a world where we lose that Friday game. The LA fire game, easy to schedule, reschedule one game to the summertime. But once you start losing that first weekend, it becomes a little dicier because of the gold cup this year. So I'm not sure how much the, and the league just signed another deal with sky sports. I think you have two parties that both really can't afford to miss a week now. And they have brought in, you know, a mediator. So I'm optimistic it's going to get done, but we might lose the LA Fire game. I can live with that. The league is either uh, tone deaf 
and completely dumb or they're super strategic. And we won't know that until probably two weeks from now because they've announced a lot of things. They've announced this guy sports deal and they've even leaked that they're, you know, negotiating with high profile free agents. So I guess we'll just see what happens and, and either they're going to prove to be super smart or they're going to prove to be not so smart. I think if the players are smart, they'll sign a shorter CBA that has a first step toward the free agency that they want in like a three-year window maybe, and then they'll come back to the bargaining table in three years. But otherwise, I think we are in probably for a long work stoppage. We'll see, I guess. I mean, there's arguments for both sides, right, in that at least at first it's not going to cost the owners that much to grant free agency, right? You know, if, who's that going to affect the most? Probably the players at the bottom, right? So paying a guy that's making $37,000 a year a little more, you know, to these owners is going to be, you know, pocket change. That said, players have obviously committed to free agency, and so if they get anything less than that, then it's going to look like they have, uh, you know, lost this, right? couple other things to note is last time that CBA was up, I think they didn't sign the deal until two days before the season started. So we're not even that far yet. So who knows? We could have a breakthrough. Um, and yeah, I mean, I get your point too about players being able to go to other leagues to play soccer. But at the same time, if you're making $36,000 a year, you might get an opportunity in like Central America or something like that. But that's going to be an expensive flight. And who knows, maybe they'll cut you the next week or, you know, it's, it's a big leap to take, uh, if you, if you're not making much money. That, I mean, the other side of that, of course, is that if you're a player and you're only making that much, you can't afford to go on strike that long, uh, cause you won't be able to make your rent. So. And at the end of the day, it's about semantics and politics. Like, you know, these, these two sides have dug in on such diametrically opposed points that they have to be able to at the end of the day come back and say okay either we won the argument or we made progress in the argument and hopefully over the next five days they can come to an agreement where they can both go back to their own sides and say you know we held to our standards and i don't know i don't know if they can do that like they've been so um vocal even the MLS owners, you know, when the RSL owner kind of broke ranks and said, um, free agency is a non-starter, like we're not even going to have a conversation at, at that. It's like, well, then what do we even expect over the next four days? So we'll see. Hopefully they can find a way to go back to their constituents and say, we made progress and, and we both win. And I don't know exactly what that will look like but that's pretty much our only hope at being able to enjoy mls soccer on friday and saturday and sunday next weekend the nba has a system like a it's not a full-fledged free agency but it is a form of it and like i'm not a huge nba guy i've heard this through the grapevine but essentially it's, it's a little more toned down and i'm not sure like, yeah are willing to take a compromise because i don't think free agency is going to happen to be honest with you but I would like to see, I mean, if yeah, I, I think the league will be willing to make some kind of compromise because they want, they, they, they almost need the season to start on time. Yeah, the differences between the NBA and MLS, though, are a few things in that the NBA has a maximum salary, which MLS obviously doesn't, and they have uh, 
a kind of, I guess, similarly soft salary cap, but they both work differently. You know, in MLS, it's soft in that DPs only count for, you know, 300-some, whereas in the NBA, it's a you just have to pay a luxury tax, right? So there's a lot of differences there, and I, I, I would say the major difference is that, you know, you have a salary cap to keep salaries down, obviously, but if you have a salary cap and free agency, they're both, you know, abnormal ways of keeping salaries down. So it seems like, at least in my opinion, there should either be both a salary cap and free agency or neither because they're both kind of, they act to do the opposite. So free agency is going to probably raise wages, salary cap's going to keep it down. And, you know, if I'm the players, I'm saying, you know, you already have, you have it both ways already. So it seems like the next step is to give us free agency. But You have a lot of owners who have made money in other places. And now they expect to make more money in as in buying into to the league at this point in time. They expect to make more money when they sell their franchises, whereas in every other major sport except for hockey in America, you know, like these guys, they've made a lot of money for sure. But if they lose money on their investments, it's not a big deal. Whereas, you know, for example, our owner, if Merritt Paulson – loses his pants in in MLS like it is kind of a big deal because somebody else will have to bail them out so you know for these guys I think they've all come into it with the the understanding okay there's no free agency we're a unified body and that is how we will make money and if you're Don Garber then if you accept any other deal than that you have to explain to them how they will still make money so we'll see what happens well, that's fair. You know, I guess time won't tell at this point. So, hopefully, uh, we're watching some soccer this time next week. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. So before we get out of here, let's talk 2015 expectations. So let's do starting eleven for the first game, and where we think the Timbers will finish in the season. Okay. I guess I'll start. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Corsi starts in goal. And we have Bold move. Bold move, Drew. Yeah, right. Powell and Borchers and uh Ridgewell and uh Viafania on the back line. I think it's gonna be Jack and obviously Chira. Uh probably Nagby, Wallace. Who am I forgetting in the midfield? Oh, and Gap well, yeah, probably Gaston uh in the attacking spot, and then Audi up top. I think is is what we're going to see. I think that's how we'll start it. I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Espria uh, moves into that starting lineup. I don't know if it's for Gaston or Jack or who, but but I think that's how we start our first game, assuming it's next week. All right, Christian, what do you think? I think that's about right. You know, I think what I want to see is um, us make the playoffs and push for the playoffs. I think that with the club of our stature and with our support, we should make the playoffs three of every four years. And while things have not worked out necessarily as we hoped in the midfield for the preseason, that we can figure it out. And that when these guys come back, they'll be good. I hope that with the move to Nagby in the midfield, that that actually works out as positively as a lot of people think it will. If it doesn't, we might not be that good, 
and the other thing that I'll look for is finishing um, in the first month of the season. And if we're getting chances but not finishing, I'm not going to be super optimistic about our chances at the end of the season. All right, so I will definitely have the same back line, and I want uh, Wallace and then Nagby in the middle and then Esprit out wide too, and then I want Adi up top. The reason why I say that is because I think the Adi and Nagby pairing was quite good, and yet when you do the double sub of Yerudi and Gaston, they, they're bold enough, strong enough, and is active enough to wreak havoc on a defense, even with Stopback, and they were a weaker opponent, I'll give you that, but, you know, they, they both played a pretty good second half. So I'd definitely like to see that. And then for end-of-the-year expectations, I think, I, I and this is just me, and I said it last year, I think we'll get some silverware this year. Yeah, you know, I think that's a definite possibility. You know, it's funny, like, this time last year, most people had picked us to win MLS Cup, right? And basically, yes, we have... True. We have the same team, except it's better. You know, now we have Ridgewell and Borchers and, you know, some of these guys. So I, this is definitely a better team than we had. I think this is a better team than we had two years ago when we went to the Western Conference Finals. Obviously, the West is much tougher, especially with Kansas City and Houston coming over. So it's going to be really competitive. I definitely think we're a playoff team, and we're definitely going to go for it in the U.S. Open Cup. I think that'll be tough because that's also where all the teams, in a way, that kind of killed us, right? The fact that we were vying for three tournaments all at the same time. And, you know, that last week of the season, of course, was brutal where we get knocked out of the uh, CONCACAF Champions League as well as the playoffs, which is just brutal. So, in a way, we're not going to be as strong then because we're not playing in CCL. But I think a lot of the lower teams in the Western and Eastern conferences are going to be putting all their chips into the U.S. Open Cup. If you think about, like, D.C. United two years ago, uh, I think I think that's what a lot of... There are going to be a lot of good teams that don't make the playoffs this year, so... Well, they have opened up the playoff spots, so... That's true. Everybody makes the... Yeah, six teams in each conference is insane, so uh, that'll, that'll help, too. And then once you're in the playoffs, it's just everything's so random with the two games. Like, anything can happen. So, yeah, I think we're going to make the playoffs. I don't... I, don't, I wouldn't say it's probable we bring home any silverware, but uh, like I said, anything could happen. Gotta be hopeful. Alrighty, well with that, Drew, Christian, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for making it happen. Thanks, guys. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you everybody next time. You can hear it all.